What's going on, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Be Safe Daily. I've got to admit it to all of you, I'm the worst person when it comes to technology. I, I'm convinced it's not even that I do anything wrong. It's that the technology hates me, and then you Google it to try to fix it. I know it's right there. If I were smarter, I would have this fixed, and I wouldn't even be talking to you guys. You'd just be listening to the podcast I recorded earlier tonight. Instead, it's somewhere stuck in my computer in six-second bytes in Audacity, and I can't figure out how to get it out, and so with it being past 1 a.m., I might as well start over rather than spend the rest of my night trying to figure it out. So here's where we are talking to you. It's not anymore a Tuesday. It's technically a Wednesday now because I I just gave away the recording time of this thing. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to trudge on, and we're going to break down the Cardinals' win over the Pirates 5-2 to two on Tuesday evening at Bush Stadium as the Cardinals get back into the win column after a rough weekend in San Diego, which, if you've noticed on the B-Shape Daily Podcast feed the last few days, there hasn't been anything there. It's because, as I mentioned late last week, my wife and I had scheduled an anniversary trip to Minneapolis, which we took over the weekend, and it was a lot of fun exploring all that that city has to offer The breweries were great. The weather was really good. They have a really cool sculpture garden. Lots of stuff to see. Good food to be had. And checked out Target Field as well. Didn't go in because didn't have tickets to the game. And I don't think I was going to be able to talk my wife into for our anniversary trip going to a baseball game. She's not a huge sports person, which you'd think is kind of bizarre given that she married me. But hey, that's the way it goes. Everybody likes what they like. And so wasn't going to happen that I would talk her into checking out Twins White Sox over the weekend, long weekend, which extended into Monday. And had we done so, we would have witnessed live something we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show after we break down the Cardinals 5-2 win on Tuesday. And that's the Yermin Mercedes situation with the Twins and Tony La Russa getting involved with his take on Tuesday. So I've got a couple of topics I want to talk about from over the weekend and bleeding into yesterday was that one. That's going to be for later in the show. Also going to talk some Albert Pujols as well. We're going to get through the recap of the Cardinals game from Tuesday before we get into some of that other stuff. Not going to really talk about the Cardinals series against the Padres very in-depth because, well, I didn't watch the games. I was busy with the anniversary trip. So Full disclosure there, you know, I'm aware of what took place in some of those games, but uh, for the Cardinals to walk as many batters as they did, not very surprising that they come away from San Diego with no wins in that series. But the Cardinals were able to get back to their winning ways as the first-place team in the National League Central riding the ship against the Buccos on Tuesday. 5-2 winner for the Cardinals. Let's get right into it. Talking about John Gant and the performance that he has done throughout this season for the Cardinals. Another example of it on Tuesday where he pitches a game that gives the Cardinals a chance to win. It's a simple assignment from a number 5 starter, but it's one that John Gant has been able to complete every time out there this season. In each of his starts, he's given the Cardinals an opportunity to come away with a W, and once again tonight that was the case. Five and a third innings pitched for Gant giving up just two runs. Both those runs were actually charged to him after he departed the game. Hemesis Cabrera not able to keep the inherited runners from crossing the plate. But to be fair, those runners were John Gant's jam to deal with. And uh, because he wasn't able to stick around, 
Henesis Cabrera got his shot at it and was unsuccessful. So those go to John Gant. His ERA, though, for the season, still at 2.04 after this one. And one element of his start that was particularly impressive, just one walk. That's been a reason that he's been rather inefficient throughout some of his starts this season. Only once has he made it beyond five innings before tonight's game, and that was a six-inning appearance on April 24th. Tonight it's just five and a third, so he pitches into the sixth once again, but only able to record the one out in the inning. And the out that he got was on a comebacker that hit him kind of in the, the wrist, in the palm of the hand, uh, tried to make the catch, couldn't quite corral it, but ends up working out okay in that situation because he's able to get the lead runner at third. But the trainer comes out. They, they get Gant out of the game pretty quickly after that. Mike Schultz said after the game that he was pretty much close to being done anyway, and John said that he was totally fine, no lingering impact from that line drive back to him. But I wanted to play a little exchange for you. Asked Cardinals manager Mike Schultz tonight about that from John Gant, which I mentioned a little bit earlier, just the fact that he's been able to keep the Cardinals in every single game that he started. And the fact that as a starter, you can go through the quarter portion of the season, the first 40 some odd games. And in none of your starts, could you look back and say, yeah, the Cardinals just had no opportunity there because the starter gave up six runs. You know, that's not ever been the case for John Gant. And while he's had his troubles, he's had his inability to be able to find the command consistently to be efficient enough to go deeper into games and to limit the walks, he's limited the runs, and that's what that's what counts at the end of the day. So you learn my question to Mike Schilt about that and his response regarding his fifth starter, who's done a fine job this season so far, John Gant. Mike, a little more than a quarter of the way through the season, for John to win the starting spot as he's done and then go to this point where there really hasn't been a game where you say he didn't keep you in it and give you a chance to win, how impressive is that for a guy at the back end of a starting rotation? It's, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, you know, that's the primary job of starter, give your team a chance to win. Um, and John's definitely done that. He's been able to, to compete right there and give us through the fifth pretty much every time out or every time out, actually, you know, being in the game or even with the lead. So really quality job by Johnny Gay. He's done, he's done a really nice job. Just another quality start, not technically a quality start, and he has only had one of those this year, but a quality outing for John Gant as he goes five and a third and gives up two runs, and the Cardinals' offense was there to back him up, especially early in this game. The Cardinals scored five in the contest, coming all off of JT Brubaker, the Pirates' starter, and they score all those runs in the first three innings, two, two, and one across the first three frames of this one for the Cardinals, and it was Nolan Arenado getting things going once again. Said I wasn't going to talk too much about the games over the weekend in San Diego, but one thing that you're all aware of, Arenado is riding a little bit of a home run streak, homering in each of the games at Petco Park, which is an impressive enough feat, considering that's more of a pitcher's park, one of the most notoriously spacious parks in the National League. Coming from Coors Field as his home park throughout his career, what were the numbers going to be like this year for Nolan Arenado? Well, he is doing exactly what you would have expected, putting up a all-star caliber, MVP caliber type campaign that he's really beginning to settle into for the Cardinals. And so after the three home runs over the weekend, he goes for number four for consecutive games as he has lift off against Brubaker with two outs in the first inning. And again, you talk about all the intangibles that Arenado brings to the table. We knew going back to the offseason when the Cardinals first acquired him, 
Cardinals knew the kind of player they were getting, and I think fans have seen enough of him over the years to know the kind of player they were getting. But Mike Schilt talking about the residual value and the residual benefit of a guy like Arenado, all the little things that just happen to feel like they change when Arenado is in the picture. The lineup is suddenly more threatening. His mere presence does that. Batting in the cleanup hole, you know exactly what you're going to get, and opposing teams have got to account for that. Defensively, what he brings to the table is unparalleled. What he does, as far as a competitive mentality, is just pure desire to win, is such an impactful thing for the Cardinals. And so he's putting all of these elements together, and it's been the defense, and it's been just his, his general intangibles as a player, as a, a winning player, that has carried him. But now you're starting to see it really start to come through as far as his offense is concerned after tonight's game, which he was on base three times, going two for three with a walk, had the home run we mentioned for two RBIs, scored a couple of runs as well. 307 batting average, 944 OPS. He's falling right into line with where you thought he could be if 2020 was an aberration with the lower OPS, dealing with some of the injuries and things that he had going on last year. Everybody had trouble last year. You know, it wasn't something that you were going to hold to it and say, well, yeah, he's declining, he's this or he's that. You figured if Nolan Arenado got into this new environment where he wanted to be, it was his decision to try to push for that trade to the Cardinals, as we've since learned and and really gotten more details about as time has gone on. And so there's no question that he was going to be able to return to this type of productivity. And now that he's doing it, though, having this little hot stretch to be able to boost his season-long numbers, you're seeing everything really come together for him. Mike Schilt asked about by Commissioner Rick Hummel, a little clip that I'm going to play for you, kind of humorous moment where he says, does it seem like Arnado homers every game? Because he does. And hear the response from Cardinals manager Mike Schilt talking about the Cardinals superstar third baseman just doing his thing. And does it seem like Arnado homers every night? Because he does. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, I think that should be a new policy. <laughs> no, he did. He's done great. Um, just another good swing. Um, man, what a pretty stroke. And you look at that now from Nolan Arenado, as you heard from Mike Schilt there. The 944 OPS, I mentioned he's trending back toward his career norms. In 962 in 2019, 935, 959, 932, working his way back. So that would absolutely based on where he is right now, if he had a full season with St. Louis at 944 for an OPS and batting over 300 with some of the really good on-base and slugging numbers as well to help carry that batting line, that would be, you know, everything that he did in Colorado and then transferring over to St. Louis, over to Bush Stadium, switching home ballparks without missing a beat. I know it's taken him a little bit to warm up to this point. He's had some hot and cold stretches throughout this campaign thus far, but where Arenado is right now, you've got to be pretty excited about if you're a Cardinals fan. Uh, I, I can't honestly remember if I said this during this edition of the podcast or the one that was lost to time, but I'm going to reiterate it. You'd like to think that you'd be able to win more than one out of four games if Arenado was homering four times in a row, but Cardinals have their own little issues to work through with San Diego. That was more, again, about the pitching staff walking too many batters and and giving up too many runs than it was so much about the offense. You know, not a great weekend altogether in San Diego, but if you're talking about giving up runs at the clip that the Cardinals did, you're not going to win too many games and certainly too many series along the way. Cardinals got to figure that out against San Diego. 
starting to become a little bit of a bugaboo, I think, for this team after, you know, last year had the wild card series, the opportunity to take them down, couldn't get it. And now you face a San Diego team that was uh, pretty undermanned with losing Fernando Tatis and several other key contributors due to the COVID protocols. And so you go in there and you're not able to come away with even one win, but that's the first time the Cardinals have been swept this season. So uh, certainly they're still in decent shape, still leading in the NL Central after Tuesday's win over the Pirates. Another one, five to two. Uh, other co- topics of conversation from that game as I try to keep my eyes awake here, finishing up this podcast with y'all. Justin Williams, not great filling in for Tyler O'Neill, who hit the injured list with a broken finger after a slide over the weekend. I think O'Neill probably 10 to 14 days is what Mike Schilt said earlier today. John Moselock kind of echoed that sentiment. So Cardinals hopeful to only be without O'Neill for a couple of weeks, but we'll have to wait and see. I don't know if Justin Williams is going to be the everyday answer to fill in. Not a pretty night tonight for him as he had the golden sombrero batting just 169 on the season. Elsewhere, though, for the Cardinals, getting a nice outing from Edmundo Sosa, who's been filling in for Paul DeYoung, and gets the start tonight, goes two for four with a double and another base hit. So maybe he's starting to bring it a little bit offensively, and and we got to talk to him after the game. And as somebody who has cups of coffee over the last few seasons in the big leagues but has never really gotten much of an opportunity other than just to sit on the end of the bench. And so saw some emotion from him after the double tonight that he stroked to the opposite field. Certainly a guy that is, is hoping to be able to take advantage of his chances and prove that he can be here to stay and be somebody that can help the Cardinals even after Paul DeYoung returns from his injury. Bullpen, though, pretty good job tonight. Hesus Cabrera, two-thirds of an inning to finish up that sixth, as I mentioned. Gave up the inherited runners. Uh, one of them was a, a ground ball to the second baseman, just weakly hit toward Tommy Edmond. Uh, Cabrera maybe could have been covering first base on it, but uh, just one of those balls in no man's land. So it's not like he got hit hard in giving up those couple of runs on behalf of Gant. Gallegos, two scoreless innings, three strikeouts, has just been an absolute menace out of the bullpen for the Cardinals. ERA down to 2.13. And Alex Ray is continuing to do his thing, walks the first batter that he faced. That's becomes, uh, become kind of a, a pretty standard thing for him. But after that, doesn't give up anything. Alex Ray is saved number 12 on the season, pitches a scoreless ninth, and lowers his ERA for the season to 0.41. That's 0.41. That's all we're really going to talk about with regard to the game on Tuesday because we're about halfway of the time that I want to be here, and I'm going to touch on some of the topics that I've missed on. Albert Pujols, let's get right into it. We have not gotten a chance to discuss with one another since he signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers, meaning the Cardinals didn't end up making a run at him. Uh, John Mozeliak talked about it today when he was asked, said based on a spot to fit him in playing time and just all the situations with the Cardinals roster would have been too complicated to get something done at this point in time. That was the the opinion of John Mozeliak. I think this was a miss by the Cardinals, though. If you saw me tweet it out the other night as I was uh, there in Minneapolis, noticed the news, obviously, and so had to say, hey, hold on, lovely wife of mine. I do have to send out a tweet about this because it's a big deal, right? You know, the Cardinals, we thought for a few days, maybe would have a chance to sign Albert Pujols to allow the machine, one of the greatest Cardinals to ever play, to ever wear birds on the bat, potentially to finish his career back where it began in St. Louis. I think it would have been fitting. I think it would have been would have been perfect for the Cardinals to, to go ahead and make that gesture, make sure they get back 
Pujols where he can, you know, chase down his milestones, whatever opportunities he gets. How different would it be than what the Cardinals had done with Matt Carpenter this year where he has not been a very good contributor offensively, but he's on the bench, he's getting pinch hit opportunities, and he's participating in most games because of that. Albert Pujols, you know, not to be offensive to Matt Carpenter, but Albert Pujols has a little bit more cachet history of the organization than even Matt Carpenter does. And I've talked about Matt Carpenter as a guy who's a red jacket when his time comes for sure. So that just goes to tell you, you know, Albert Pujols, it just would have been, it would have been really fitting. I think could have had an opportunity to do something really special. But at the end of the day, that's not the way the Cardinals saw it. What I had tweeted a couple of nights ago, Cardinals saw it the way they did, but I don't agree with their stance. The bench is malleable. It's not a strength at present. And unless it was Albert who would not have accepted the reduced role, it's a whiff by the Cardinals. And, and I still feel that way, especially after seeing Albert notch his first hit. Wearing number 55 in Dodger blue, it just feels so wrong. Cardinals could have, I think, made it right. Um, they decided not to. And, and look, you can make arguments until the cows come home about the you know, the baseball element of it and the competitive aspect of whether or not Albert Pujols would have helped the Cardinals. Nobody was saying that Albert Pujols and what he brings to the table in 2021 was a need off the Cardinals bench. You know, I I just think he could have been virtually interchangeable with a lot of other players and at least with his productive output, what he does at the plate, what you could project that he would be able to bring to the table in that regard. But the intangibles, the the, the winning experience, the, the fostering of clubhouse culture and relationships that he's already got in there, the impact he could have on the younger guys. Um, I, I think, I think it would have been tremendous all around, especially if he was in a position where he was not demanding to play every day, which there had been conflicting reports over that, whether or not he had certain expectations. The Cardinals, I don't, you know, they, we, we saw reports of them discussing it internally, but they never made an offer. They never, uh, I don't even know if they ever even really reached out. And so Pujols probably would have may, conceivably liked to come back to St. Louis. And uh, when that wasn't an option, certainly he was happy to settle in with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's able to basically stay in the same area where he's been living for the last 10 years and uh, contribute now to a National League team. The Cardinals are going to see him uh, more than likely. I believe in September is when the Dodgers make a trip to St. Louis. So, Keep an eye for that. We'll we'll see more Albert Pujols than we thought we would in St. Louis. Maybe not nearly as much as we thought we would if you're from the perspective of thinking should have been a shoe-in to re-sign this guy. But as it is, he'll be visiting as a, uh, as a Dodger a couple of months from now. Okay, that's going to kind of wrap up that topic. And let's go ahead and get into the Yermin Mercedes talk as that was the big conversation Monday and Tuesday now as Tony La Russa pours fuel onto the fire. And before Tuesday's game said of Yermin Mercedes, who, of course, if you miss it, I'm not sure at this point how you could have, but it's possible. In a 15-4 game with the White Sox leading the Twins, which was that this was Monday's game. I had I that was the one that my wife wouldn't let me go to. So I could have seen this live and been able to give you the perspective. But as it as it happens, I was in a, a like a German bar near the stadium, actually, when that was going on. But LaRusa said of Mercedes, who swung on 3-0 when Williams Ostadio, a position player, a DH, was pitching, and it was a 47-mile-per-hour pitch. I use the word pitch in air quotes. 
a position player just lobbing it up there. Yermin Mercedes, who has taken the baseball world by storm after, I believe he spent some time in independent ball. Like, it's been a long road for this guy to get here, and he's been a, a really quality DH for the, the White Sox this season. He homers, hits it out deep to center field, as anyone should do in that situation. It's like, are you worried about showing up the pitcher who isn't a pitcher? Would you rather him walk you and extend this game even further? Like, you might as well swing. Maybe you get him to pop up. You're, I mean, you're, just get, you're going through the motions at that point. It's a 15-4 to 4 game. It's ridiculous. But Tony La Russa decides to be ridiculous. I mean, he's dead wrong. A lot of people are ma- angry, upset, as White Sox fans definitely have the right to be. From the outside, it's kind of hilarious because if you're not vested in the White Sox, you know, you can maybe take a different perspective. But here's what he said about Mercedes swinging on 3-0 and hitting a home run. Shades of Jace Tingler here. He made a mistake. There will be a consequence he has to endure here within our family. That's what Larusa said of Mercedes before the game. And then what happens during the game on Tuesday, the Twins throw at him. I think it was Tyler Duffy threw like a sinker behind his knees. And Larusa, while he did have a problem with his own player, home run hitter Jermaine Mercedes going deep yesterday, he didn't have a problem with the Twins throwing at him. He said basically uh, he would have been more suspicious if it's up near the head, but the, he didn't have a problem with the way the Twins went about addressing that today. So I feel like we're living in bonkers, you know, twilight zone land. Nothing makes sense. Up is down. Down is up. And and Larusa, you know, is not a good look for, for what uh, – the Chicago White Sox and, and, and kind of the core of that roster is all about, you know, the exuberance and the fun in baseball. Hit dingers, man. It's just what's so crazy. Like, why are the Twins even mad? And, and, and are they or is it just, you know, because clearly this was an intentional kind of message to send to the, the player to throw at him. But it's not like, you know, again, as Larissa mentioned, at least it wasn't at the head. But... But no, there, there, there's seriously, there's no need to do that. Like, what are you mad about? You lost 16 to four. That's not something that this guy with one swing did. It was already 15 to four when he steps into the the box for that at bat. And you made the decision to put a catcher slash DH slash third baseman, whatever Astadio does typically. He's a hitter, really. But you put the decision. You know, you put him on the mound. That was that was what you wanted to do to save your pitching staff. Where are you to get off saying that a guy on the other team is not allowed to swing at that point in time? It's insane. It's ridiculous. We might have more to talk about this tomorrow because, you know, now what I see is people wondering if Tony La Russa is going to survive this season as the manager of the White Sox. Like, they have a talented team, and it's just crazy that this is what we're talking about. Tony La Russa, 2021, man. Uh, Lance Lynn, of course, is a, a Chicago White Sox, former La Russa player in St. Louis and now back with him in Chicago. He said, if a position player is on the mound, there are no rules. Let's get the damn game over with. If you have a problem with whatever happened, then put a pitcher out there. Couldn't agree more. So Lance Lynn said basically what Tony La Russa should have said, but Tony La Russa shouldn't be a surprise that, that he had this reaction because if you go back to the uh, Fernando Tati situation, I, I bring up Jace Tingler, which we can talk about that too. Manny Machado had a slide into Tommy Edmond over the weekend that People on Twitter didn't like, and I don't know that the Cardinals necessarily had any problem with it. I wasn't watching the postgame Zooms that day, 
But, I mean, on Sunday Night Baseball, the slide was just 25, 30 feet away from the second base bag. But he breaks up the double play. Hard-nosed play, sure, whatever. I, I honestly don't even care to litigate the slide itself. I just want to talk about Jace Tingler and, and his hypocrisy because he basically said, you know, he that's that's the reason we won the game and, you know, love to see a guy not giving up on a play. And that's just, you know, praising the play from Machado, which is, that's okay. Like, you, you'd think that's what Larusa maybe could have done. But where it's hypocritical is, and I guess you could say he's learned from his past mistakes, but Tingler sounded like a, like a buffoon when he talked about Tatis last year in that Grand Slam, you know, should have seen the take sign and, and that was a mistake. Basically, the same reaction that Larusa has to this situation with Mercedes swinging on 3-0. and And Larusa was asked about that last year and said it was the wrong play. And so this is at least Larusa being consistent, wrong, but consistent about, you know, shouldn't have to, shouldn't swing on 3-0. and I have no idea what it accomplishes to allow a guy to walk you and especially a position player who's probably not going to be able to throw many strikes anyway, but that's what they want. That's what they would have preferred is don't swing on three and O. I don't know how you're supposed to get out if a guy won't throw a strike and you're not allowed to swing, but that's kind of all I know. I'm going to wrap things up here though. It is being uh, way too late at night for me to continue doing this. Uh, We talked about the topics we wanted to get to. I appreciate you guys once again for listening. Excited to be back. I'm hoping to have fewer technical difficulties tomorrow. I asked on Twitter today uh, for suggestions for Bluetooth uh, earpods, earphones. I mean, this is how this is how tired I am. I'm not even saying words. I'm not even going to delete this part because it gives you an idea where I'm at. But earbuds for uh, to to go to my new phone. I've got a Google Pixel that I just got hooked up last week. And so no headphone jack on this thing. So now I'm in the market for some Bluetooth headphones. Went to Five Below, bought some for like five, six bucks, and they didn't even last me like the whole ride home on the airplane today. So in the market for those, but I might be in the market for a laptop too because this is getting a little bit ridiculous. So appreciate you guys for sticking with the podcast. We will be down at Bush Stadium for Wednesday's game as well. And so have a wrap-up of that one tomorrow night. Technically later tonight, about 22 hours, talking some Cardinals baseball as the Cardinals go for a two-game sweep of the Pirates as uh, they, they have a couple of off days this week. And then it'll be the Chicago Cubs in town. And with the expanded capacity and supposed to be great weather for the weekend, that's going to be a blast. And we'll be sure to recap those games as well on B-Shape Daily. So make sure to subscribe to the show if you've not done so already. You can find us at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on Google Podcasts as well. Thank you guys once again, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily.